We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Friday, February 17th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. We are going to continue to do these on Friday. We're recording them Thursday night. This is myself, Jake Burns, your host, and Andrew Spade. We are going to keep doing what's called franchise mode, which this will evolve over time, as I've talked about in previous episodes, where we sort of really take a league-wide perspective, talk about what other franchises are doing. You know, I don't know. I love the name because growing up, like franchise and dynasty modes were a humongous part of the hours consumed in my childhood. I don't know about you, Andrew, but that was a huge thing I love to do with video games growing up. So I love the name, but yeah, we're going to evolve like how we do this into looking at more teams around the league and then seeing sort of what their decisions are. And if the, the decisions they made or the Browns made have any talking points that we can relate to your favorite team. Um, and then obviously learn from it and talk about maybe what we would have done differently, so on and so forth, but always trying to put a Brown spin on it. Andrew, what's up, man? Thanks for joining. I think we got a good one today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Jake. Thank you for having me. Um, NCAA, I was just, I'm trying to think of this. I think it was O2 was probably the, the year that I had the most hours in. I think, I think NCAA O2 way back when, um, I had it on game, I had it on a GameCube. That's how that's how yeah. old I am, uh, and uh, I would neglect homework. I would neglect any sort of extracurriculars in college. I would I would do nothing but uh, take. I would always add a, a Division One Double A. You know, so like uh, mm-hmm. I remember I had a very good dynasty with Portland State uh, out west back in the day, um, and uh, I would add a, a, a one Double A team, and you know, you know, play until I wanted at least a few national titles, uh, and so that was. That's basically, I mean, I, you know, uh, practically speaking, my degree is in history, but re- in reality, it's in NCAA. I think I think it was two thousand two. <laughs> He's a minor in NC, NCAA yeah, football, at least. I uh, um, so many credit hours. Well, I I would I mean I played every year, and it was uh, it was around the time oh two oh three or four area where they started to put like your guys could get NCA infractions, which I always thought was like mm-hmm. looking back on it now as an adult, like 
you're teaching kids how college kids get in trouble and then like making decisions <laughs> about college kids getting in trouble. And right. It's like, I can't believe they greenlit that part of the game. And so it was funny how quickly that, that feature went into the game. And then immediately like a year or two later it was just out. And I can't believe somebody thought, Hey, we should put college age kids getting in trouble and then give young kids the ability to see that trouble and then make a decision on the trouble uh, mm. punishment for the trouble. It's actually an exactly. amazing miscalculation but boy was it fun and it leads uh you know i'm i'm a massive loser i i'm afraid to admit sometimes because i'm still in an ncaa 14 dynasty league like <laughs> a decade after we have 10 guys uh, we actually expanded it to 12 we restarted our league because we were pretty heartbroken that the news that the game wasn't going to come out um you know this past this upcoming year this upcoming summer was when it was supposed to drop and it was going to be that's right awesome but they pushed it back another year and who knows man they if they're willing to push this game back which is an automatic cash cow for them the second they put it out like other games for ea sports like baseball and they're doing golf actually in the next month which i'm pretty pumped about that too but there are sports where you know that they're risking not making any money they would make money even if the game was bad they'd make a ton of money on ncaa football so them pushing it willing to push it back another year is a bad sign that it'll ever come out and I don't, I don't think people necessarily want to admit that but i've talked to my guys about it i'm like i don't know if they're ever going to actually come through and make this game like i just i have a bad feeling about it but anyway we're out in the weeds talking about franchise and dynasty modes and all that and that's probably what we'll do a lot on this show but um we wanted to have a discussion around the super bowl and i haven't really i don't think had a great discussion on this at least justifiably enough for what, what I want to do to compare the Super Bowl teams to the Browns, because, you know, this stuff we're doing and the Browns getting better and all the noise around next year. And we'll talk about it at length over the next eight months. You know, we'll continue to talk about it. It's hard not to. But what you want to do is not to me. It's not it's cool if they make the playoffs and I want them to make the playoffs and I want them to be better. And all. how do they actually win the effing Super Bowl? That's the thing, right? Like this is all fun and games, but you want to win the Super Bowl. All these things that we talk about. It's not to go to the division round and give an all shucks great effort in Kansas City. It's how the hell do they actually beat Kansas City? How do they that, how do they make the Super Bowl? And what I thought would be a fun exercise, Andrew, is to look at the two teams in the Super Bowl. And I think we could even can like wrap around the Bengals and Bills into this to an extent. We're not going to really do that, but you're looking at the real contenders. I think San Francisco belongs in that category, obviously. And kind of looking at we limited it to the Bills and Chiefs, but you're you're looking at how do the Browns get into that group where they have a lotto ticket into the playoffs, and it's not just a lotto ticket. It's not like a $1 scratch off. They have a real Powerball ticket to win the thing because that's what we want, and I think that's what they're trying to build. It's just a matter of if they will ever get there. So, and and like I, I think this list will have a lot. I'm sure you'll agree with me. Maybe some some small deviations between those teams, those three teams I mentioned that didn't make the Super Bowl there and the two that we're going to actually really compare them to. So it should it should all be relatively close. But we said the task here is five differences between the Browns and the Eagles Chiefs, both of them. And then can they actually make up the difference between those issues? Like what's your confidence level that they can get those issues turned into the same sort of positive for their team? So that's the general premise. In this here fun exercise, Andrew, I'm going to let you lead off. Take the bullet first, as they say. Um, but but I think this can be pretty fun to look at. Just our both of our views at what the difference is between the Browns, Eagles, and and the uh, Chiefs here, and see if there's any path to them fixing it. By the and, and I mean in a really crucial year, I, I think it's safe to say. No, I, I think that's absolutely right, and it's yeah. I, we've I've had this conversation. <clears throat> I think I was on you know Brad Ward's uh, show Thursday night show that he's doing on the OBR. 
uh, streaming uh, channels um, last week. And before the Joe Thomas news came down, we were kind of just talking about, you know, uh, Brown stuff generally. And it's not that the Browns are super far away. It's that the, the step from where they are, you know, a sort of league average ish team to where, you know, the chiefs and the Eagles are, is a big step, right? So it's, yeah, it it's is. it's That's not that they're fair. it's not that they're far. It's that that like taking that last last step is not the same as the other steps, right? It's um, it's like the, it's like Christian Bale, right? When he climbs out of the this is this is where we're going. We're doing this. Yeah, it's like for, Bale in the in the in Dark Knight Rises when they, when they're they're climbing out of the jail, the tower, and it's like, hey man, you just have to make that leap, right. that leap, that final leap, exactly. And then you you once you hit that stair, like you're good, you're in the light, you can get out. But it's hard yeah. to jump. see what that that just popped into my mind right there, right? Perfect, you know, perfect. So, yeah, it's like, it's like us. yeah. But, but like you're right, that Nolan, dude. Right? That last <laughs> we can always relate them back. That last step is really hard, even if you yeah. see it, right? It's not hard to see what the goal is, but it's like, how the hell do you actually get there? So that's kind of right. what we're identifying. Good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So number one, and it's the first thing that jumps out um, to me it is it, and it's the reason that they made the Deshaun Watson trade, right? I mean, they're trying to fix it. They see it the same way that I see it or that you see it or anybody see it. I mean, it's it's as plain as the nose on your face. They need a passing game um, that can solve third and long. Uh, that's, you know, that's what the Eagles have. That's where they got to this year with Jalen Hurts. Um, and, and obviously it's where the Chiefs have been living. That's why they've been in, what, five straight AFC championship games because – Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is a, is a wizard in those situations. And, you know, he, he looks at third and long as an opportunity rather than a risk. Right. Um, so the chiefs, you know, they're building their house on that. Um, the Eagles have, have, you know, they, they still did struggle in third and long, but, but, but Hertz got them to a level where they could, they could cope. And one of the most disturbing things about the six games that Watson played in at the end of 22 is that they were still, the Browns were still in that position where it was third and seven, third and nine, third and 11. And you're like, this isn't going to work. It's not going to happen. We are not, there's not a first down here. Um, And solving that is, you know, it's, I kind of let off with a big one. Right. But that is, you know, if they can take care of that, maybe some of these other issues get solved. Um, But, but that's to me, that's front and center. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. We're going to go before we get into our um, and normally I'd let you take the the field to to answer what you think the likelihood is they can fix that. But I have the same one. And I want to interject with one thing. The Eagles actually this year in third and seven and long. And I'm, it's funny you said that exact number. We're 27th in EPA. So mm-hmm. your point is right that the Eagles in I, I put it this way, Andrew. I just said quarterback play, like just flat yeah, out yeah, quarterback yeah. play. Yeah, and that's a better. I think Hurt, better the word. reason Hurts is so successful was because he he runs, he does different things on the early downs, and they didn't put themselves in third and sevens that ended up mattering all too much. Right. So they weren't right. very good at them, but they they had ways of getting like their first and second down success rate were so good that oftentimes they stayed out of third and seven. And yeah, maybe the third and seven EPA stunk but they didn't have the volume of third and sevens other teams did. So no, not, to your point, Hertz, Hertz is good. He's really good. And he was really great in the Super Bowl. Fantastic. Yeah. Other than one play. And like the point here is, and you're right about kind of calling it a culmination of passing game. And I'm going to kind of tie that into my first two. Actually, it's my fourth one that I have this more heavier, but like the question to me is not, can Patrick, can, can Deshaun get to Patrick's level? I don't think he can. Obviously, right. yeah. the thing is like, 
nobody can. I think Deshaun, but you need to ask yourself, oh, I hit my mic. You need to ask yourself, can you get, can Deshaun get to the group below that again? Can he, and mm-hmm. I had a lot of people get mad at me the other day because I put out a tweet that said, you know, hey, we're all wasting our time here. The conversations around trading Nick Chubb or, or who they draft at 42 or what free agents they sign or whatever, it's all really moot unless Deshaun is elite again. And people are like, he That's wasn't exactly elite. Right. No, yeah. man, like, like he was elite. He had a couple really great seasons and especially 2020, he was phenomenal. And then all that matters for the Browns is does he get back to that level? And I think the question is, can he get to the Burrow, Josh Allen level again? And and Jalen Hurts is in that tier too. So, um, I think that's where it is. Not not. I think you're you're right. I want them to be able to solve third and long. God, it's so frustrating to look at the the chains in a lot of those situations last year, especially, and be like, all right, well, the punt team. It's like. Back when I was playing, you had your, your third down, your your special teams coach would call the punt team over. And I remember when we were better, he was a little slower to call that punt team together than he was when we were really bad on offense. You just kind of get used to, oh, it's third down long, get the punt team ready. It's just, uh, that's just kind of what would go on in my mind. Like punt team, I'd hear myself calling it in the back of my mind because it's like, they're not getting this third and 12. They're not getting this third and eight. Like there's just very little hope. So I think at the root of, for, of it for me, I would just call it quarterback play. And it's mm-hmm. not can he be Mahomes? It's can he be? Can he be Josh? Can he be Joe? Can he be Jalen? And I think yeah. my level of confidence in that is not as high as it was last year, coming into the season. But I do think he can get back there again. I think we should probably put this in like a high, medium, or low confidence field. Yeah. I would say I'm medium on it. Um, medium like middle I about as middle as I can be where I was teetering on the far side of, of the, of the likely before mm. the year, but the way the six games went, yeah. you just can't leave those six games feeling great about it. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and write this whole thing. I think it's about medium. So that's where I'll sit. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's medium. And I, and I, I think, you know, you're right to say quarterback play, but the reason I, I wanted to talk about the passing game more is, you know, I, I, I mean, you know this. We, we've talked about this, you know, uh, privately and and some publicly on on OBR air. Um, you know, I, I think Kevin Stefanski is a component in this too, right? So it's not just the Deshaun Watson. I mean, he needs to be better. Mm-hmm. That's number one with a bullet. Um, but so does Kevin, frankly. And uh, that's my second two... one. Not to give it away too quick. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're yeah we're getting there. Um, yeah. So so you know those two marrying up here for me. That's that's really. You know, because I, I think your point about the Eagles is is so right in that they recognized the liability that that they had in, you know, getting caught in predictable pass situations. And so they worked really hard to minimize that. And knowing your strengths and weaknesses and playing to those strengths and weaknesses is part of, you know, solving that third and long conundrum. And it didn't I didn't see it happen enough this year, uh, whether it was Jacoby back there or Deshaun. Um, and so that's, that's where I think Kevin gets into it a little bit. Sounds like you're headed that way too. So, um, I would say medium confidence and it, and, and part of that for me is about Deshaun and part of that is about Kevin Stefanski. Hey, here's a reminder that third and seven conversions in predictable pass situations are the hardest damn thing for quarterbacks to be good at. So it's not a slight to Jalen hurts as he's trying to develop and get better that, Oh, Hey, they don't fully trust this guy in third and long. Like you want to talk about how we're saying, the final tier of 
of team building and getting to being in that elite tier that can win the Super Bowl every year is like it's it's right there. You can see it, but you can't get to it. That's the quarterbacking tier. People have this this misconception, and man, we happen all the time with Baker Mayfield. Not all throws are created equal. Like there 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 are not. There's so many throws that are different. Stress environment situationally that are so much more impressive than a stat that maybe puts up a touchdown for you where a guy is running wide open right wide open and somebody throws it to him like that's the thing that is hard about quantifying quarterback play and I do think CPOE and some of the stuff with uh you know um you know CPOE over expected is 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 really trying to quantify that right uh but it's hard to always put a finger on and I, again, I think Pro Football Focus is doing a decent job of it. But again, it's hard. So I, I, I want to make sure we reiterate that, like, those are the hardest things to do for a quarterback is, oh, hey, you have to throw. We know you have to throw. We're going to make you think the blitz is coming. Maybe it's coming. Maybe it's not. We're going to make you think about it. We're also going to move coverage on you, make it look like one thing, make it be something completely different. And also, hey, the guys rushing off the edge and in the interior, they just know you're going to be throwing it. And it's going to be really hard because they're going to tee off. So that's the hardest thing. One, Man, listen, I think hitting a 98 mile per hour fastball is probably really hard. I've only seen like 90 in my life. It's pretty damn hard but i i also kind of think like that is one of the hardest things to do in sports period is complete those throws so you know when we're talking about hurts or whatever you can be one of the best in the world at that position but you know your team's probably still trying to keep you out of them as often as they possibly can but again you reach another level of wizardry and you're patrick mahomes and in the chiefs and i think you would agree with me even the 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 Bengals and bills who i think have quarterbacks and at or around those tiers right now it didn't really matter what third down number it was. They had a pretty day. I remember a lot of times this year, Andrew, watching the Bills and being like, God, these guys complete like second and 17s and third and 15s. And it's like, yeah, what earth are they living on? Like, we're not even in that realm of of possibility. So um, I think that's really well. That's really well stated. Now, my second one is play calling. Like, mm. and my point is. What, what you know, Sirianni and Steichen, uh, Steichen, Steichen, I, I'll continue to butcher that. Did a really good job. Like their their design with their quarterback and their their group was phenomenal. It's really good. Um, I think there's some differing opinions on on Jonathan Gannon, but that Eagles defense did perform well for throughout the year. The Chiefs, yeah. obviously, um, Andy Reid and and Steve Spagnuolo are are as good at what they're doing as anyone in the league. Kyle Shanahan as again, as well-respected as anybody you're going to find right now, designing calling offense, D'Amico Ryan's of the hottest name in coaching defensively this past off season. And then Cincinnati, Lou Amaruno is like the hidden gym or least discussed gym who should still, still didn't get a job. I can't believe both Bengals coordinators are going to be back. It's perplexing and, and it makes me angry, but he's going to be back. And then Callahan, the, you know, his son, um, you know, Bill's son is going to be, uh, back there as well. And they're just, they're really well coordinated. And I think Kevin, I started out really loving what Kevin was, was doing with Baker. And I think there've been elements of that, but I think he has to totally change with Deshaun and how they operate and going lighter personnel instead of heavier personnel. And I haven't seen, I've seen some glimpses of a willingness to do that, but I haven't seen enough. And I leave thinking like, you know, if you're you're going to need one of these really gifted play callers on both sides of the ball, I think they're in the right path with Jim Schwartz. I think he's pretty damn well respected, and I think he's good at what he does. We'll see what the success is when he comes in here. But like, can Kevin get to that status 
that he needs to here. I, I think it's sort of interesting, Andrew. And I think that's, I mean, Andy Reid and Sirianni and what those guys were doing and, and certainly the Bengals who were in the AFC championship. And we all know Kyle's like a weekly tape breakdown uh, savant. So can the Browns get to those levels? I think that's a big difference between them right now. I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, and I think, you know, what's t- tough about that one is that, I mean, to your point, we we saw glimpses of that in 2020, right? I mean, we saw, um, you know, it felt like Kevin was really uh, elevating the offense, uh, both through use mm-hmm. of the running game and play action, um, taking a, a quarterback who, you know, I mean, we see kind of where Baker has gone since that 2020 season. Uh, you know, that was obviously the best he's probably ever going to look in the NFL, and he looked really good. Kevin gets a lot of the credit for that. He, you know, and he, and he gets a lot of credit for the the way that Jacoby Brissett played uh, to start this year. But you know, I think one of the things that's nagging at me a little bit is that it's a, it's you know it's kind of a it's kind of a different skill set uh, hiding the flaws of a flawed quarterback, whether it's Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, versus elevating a truly talented quarterback, right? And so um, it's a different it's a different challenge that that faces Kevin Stefanski in this offseason. Um, and it's not the same one that he has proven that he can do previously. This is a new, this is a new opportunity for him. And, and you know, I, I think talking about confidence levels, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's hard because we didn't see enough of it over those last six games to say, oh, okay, I see the, I see the blueprint. I see the path. Mm-hmm. We're st- I'm still kind of at the point of asking, does he know that he needs to make that change? I think there's some credit to be given so far in terms of um, this ge- this general second angle. And I, this is just mine. You have your second one to go still. Um, yeah. Where they, they did replace Joe Woods. That was a step totally. in the right direction. Um, so they get some level of confidence for trying to figure this out. Because I am including defensive minds in this because I think we can all agree that Joe Woods left us with, with just a befuddled look on our face far too often. <laughs> um but to your point about Kevin, I think I think that it's 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 very fair to point out that he's done some nice things. And there's also times to point out like there's been moments of what the hell are you doing, man? Why are you putting your yeah. either your quarterback in that position or why are you doing this? And the results have been uneven. Now, that's there have been some coaches who have never even given you a glimpse of great coach of the year type stuff or, you know, what he's done. So there's 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 listen, there's good. There's no denying there's good here. But if you are sugarcoating it and wearing the wrong colored glasses here where you only see the good in Kevin, I think that that's a flaw, too. And I think Andrew could agree. I'm a pretty big I have been a pretty big Kevin supporter, but I'm trying to be as neutral around all of this as I possibly can and say that, you know, you got to look at the flaws, too. And there have been times of just stretches of really uneven play and some like I think the thing that makes Andy Reid such a savant and people love he knows how to sequence he knows how to sequence Mm -hmm. plays groups of plays dress them up make them look similar know what you're doing in a way that Kevin has not mastered yet I think Kevin's a whiteboard he's a great whiteboard draw it up coach play caller he's Mm got to get better at sequencing and feeling moments in the game out and I think that's a huge area that he has to improve upon as he embarks on continuing into calling plays is like, Hey, you got to know when's the right time to call that play action. When's the right time to link these two plays together. When can we make one look like the other? And Hey, we went to this play in this third quarter scenario. We came back to it in the fourth quarter, two weeks later, like that is all an element. And again, game play, like game situation feel. So I think that the second one, like play calling is 
let me put it this way. They got they get a vote of confidence for figuring out and identifying that the defense was broken and that they needed to figure out a different voice and a different scheme stuff. And Jim Schwartz is is so well respected. And I think that's they, they get a medium vote here. But I'm not I, I don't think again, much like this is why it's hard to be like the Browns will get to the Chiefs level. Much like the quarterback thing where I don't think they'll ever get to Mahomes level, I don't really see Okay, he could. It's early. Kevin's young. He could certainly get to Andy Reid at sixty something level. Like there's, there's, there's the possible. The possibility is there. But saying this is likely to happen for him, where he gets to that level, uh, and I should be confident in it, is hard to do. So, like, I think that they deserve again not to be this guy who's going to say like medium the whole time, but fixing <laughs> the defense, in my opinion, or at least really, yeah. tr- like, really identifying it and trying gets me to this point of like medium level where, you know, if Kevin can, Kevin just can, can he put together things like the Bengals have and fix things on the fly? Like they did mid season to figure their season out. You know, can he be, can he, can, can he be like what Brian Dable was for Josh Allen? Can they get to that level? I think he can, he's not going to get to Andy Reed's level. Andy is like, he's just at the doctorate level of this whole thing, man. Like he's, he's just kind of toying with people at times, but and that again, I'm I'm not trying to make people feel like, well, God, are we ever going to beat the Chiefs? Because that's kind of what it seems like here is we're trying to pinpoint how these teams become like these Super Bowl teams, right? But um, I think he can get to a level around it, and getting to a level around it means that on any given playoff Sunday, you can pull what the Bengals pulled and beat them a few times, right? So exactly, I'm like again, I'm sort of medium level on whether they fix that. I don't have any high level of confidence either direction on that one, um, but I do like that they identified the situation defensively and I'm sorry, but one probably, you know, great plays and great players, right? I'm always a fan of great players. And I think most coaches would even agree with this. Those who do it is like, Hey man, plays players over plays. Like you need, you need studs. And you, like the first one for me plays into the second one. Like if Deshaun's really good and makes plays out of nothing, then it's always going to make Kevin seem like a better play caller. Right. So they're tied together. But at this point, Kevin has made some issues happen, and I need to see it be more consistent for him. So I give it like a medium number. It's not impossible that it could happen, but I, I'm not sitting here saying like I can see how Kevin's going to be Andy Reid in two years. You know, I'm not doing that right. either. Right. Yeah. Uh, just just to that point, I think you know, I, I think you really hit on it. If 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 we don't think Stefanski can get to that Reid Shanahan level. Uh, and he's going to be sort of a tier below that as an offensive play caller, then what they have to hope for and what they need, frankly, to beat a team like the Chiefs is for Jim Schwartz to take a step up into that Lou Anarumo tier. I mean, the Bengals, as much as we love Joe Burrow, the Bengals beat the Chiefs because of their defense. Uh, You know, they they shut the Chiefs down in that second half of that AFC championship game last year. So if Schwartz can be the sixth best defensive play caller... The, they, and they know, really did. That's yeah. right. That's exactly right. I mean, they were right there again. Um, if, yeah. if Schwartz can be in the top 10 of defensive play callers and Stefanski is in that second tier top 10 of offensive play callers, now you've got something because you've got, you know, you've got strong, strong play callers on both sides. That's what they need. The last, you know, three years they've had a, you know, a, a probably top 10-ish offensive play caller and a what? bottom third of the league defensive play caller it's it that imbalance yeah, has to get fair. figured out if they're going to elevate the whole team that's good enough to get you a ticket into the that you could do this right that's what right. you want to have is a realistic ticket into the hey we could do this like that's what you yeah. want and you right. know that's what we're trying to talk to you about getting to is 
a realistic now these games like I, I talked about it right after the super bowl like just weird shit happens it's just weird yep. little weird things happen and yeah. it, but, but what you want to be is not the like no offense to the jags or the 2020 browns where it's like you're there uh, kind of in the realm of like, hey, we could have beat the Chiefs like the Jags thought last year, the Browns thought in 2020, but you're not really there, you know. Right. So that's that's what we're trying to talk to you about is how they get how they get there. And um, yeah, if, if Kevin is a tier below and and uh, you know, is is again able to put together some things, but also with the with like the example of Kevin kind of being a tier below, Callahan and Zach Taylor are a tier below, but Joe exactly. Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they just make plays. They make a lot yep. of plays in those 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 like unpredictable or neutral situations, and that's what the Browns will need to do uh, with Deshaun or whoever's ca- catching the passes. And we'll talk. I, I've got another category on that, but yeah, that's like where I'm at with the play calling, coaching quarterback yeah. thing i think they're in a good path there especially fixing defense but can kevin become this consistent version of a guy that we've seen before because to your point you made a great point about hey can he elevate you know can he can he take care of a quarterback when he's not playing well can he you know can he can he take a guy who's pretty good and make him great as a as a play caller that's a different thing right he can't take average and make him good i think he's done that twice he's taken average and exactly. made him good but can he take a good and make him great can he take a great and make him elite those are the questions i think are very fair to ask so um yeah those are my two did you, did you what's your second one i didn't mean to, to take that away from you no it actually it dovetails really well it's just a specific part of play calling uh, on the offensive side i was just really struck watching the chiefs running game um in the super bowl you know, and then the Eagles have had a had, have had, I mean, the best running game in the league all year. And, you know, some of it is down to the offensive line of the Eagles being really, really good. And the Chiefs obviously also have a really good offensive line, much like the Browns do. But but one of the other things that struck me, and it really was the, the way that the Chiefs were doing it in the Super Bowl again, was was the unpredictability of it. Right. That they they would get to um, running concepts that that they obviously liked and were comfortable with, but they would get to them in, in weird ways. You know, they. I, I think on the, the Isaiah Pacheco touchdown, they had uh, Jarek McKinnon as the lead blocker. Um, so so just, you know, um, putting some some tweaks on a weekly basis into the run game that uh, sort of, you know, uh, upset the expectations of the, of the other team. I think one of the things that was specifically concerning about the Browns in the second half of 2022 was the the run game felt awfully predictable and and they they had a lot of inefficient runs where they were getting hit at the line of scrimmage getting tackled for a loss you know those sorts of things uh and that's you know considering the talent that they have both at running back and in the offensive line um that sort of uh inconsistency inefficiency is kind of i mean i think the word you have to use is unacceptable right they they have too much invested there to be inefficient they need that to be what it was the first half of the year, which is the best, you know, most efficient running attack in in the game. Yeah, I, I have a, something similar on that later, so I won't dive too deep. I want to know your confidence level that they can get to that same sort of plane there with the other teams in the Super Bowl contending yeah. category. So that's one where I, I'm I'm actually quite confident because I think that's something that they have done before, and I think mm-hmm. it feels to me like they got figured out a little bit this year. Um, uh, you know, uh, I know Bill Belichick has kind of definitely had the recipe the last two years, but I think some other coaches uh, maybe copied that recipe and uh, and and word on how to stop the Browns. You know, I, I am not an X's and O's guy enough to know specifically, but that was the, the feeling that I got was that the word was out a little bit on how to stop the Browns and what they like to do. 
Uh, I expect them to get that fixed. I I do think, you know, between Bill Callahan and Kevin Stefanski, they have a track record of finding ways to get to the runs that they like. They've got a mobile quarterback now, which adds a different dimension and and should really be, you know, the sort of math changing stuff that the, uh, that the Eagles are able to do that the Ravens obviously have, have been incredibly successful with. So I'm highly confident that they can fix it, but they do need to fix it. It can't, uh, it cannot be what we saw over the second half of the year. Uh, that won't get them, you know, to the playoffs, especially considering how much they like to run the ball. They run the ball too much to be that bad at it. Perfect last sentence. They, they, that was a large part of the issue with the last half of the year. Like, hey, you're predicated on guard payment, running back payment, and this is the result. This can't be the result. So, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's if that's going to be like, hey, you got to deal with that. With you're going to be a run team. You're going to have some weeks. You got to, then you you're building it wrong, brother. You can't exactly you cannot right. be that you, way. Yeah, you, yes, you, can't you cannot do the beating your head on a brick wall uh, against a brick wall because you you know the dolphins have got you figured out from quarter one like it, you, you you're just signing up for losses that way my third one's d-line play i think it's pretty massive the, the eagles were record-setting defensive line in terms of quarterback sacks and a lot of the things that they were able to disrupt the quarterback with this year obviously both teams the chiefs with frank clark and they drafted george Karloftis, and they've developed chris jones into this this just freak of nature inside who can play outside and they they just have had, and just they're they're far superior. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. They're far superior on the defensive line, both teams and the 49ers. You look at their D line, like come on, man. And you look at the Bengals, DJ Reader. They got two. You know they don't have a Miles Garrett, but they've got two guys in Hubbard and um, uh, trying to blanking on the name of the other guy who looks pretty damn similar to him. Um, at the moment of, of crisis here, uh, with, it was with the saints, Florida Atlantic. Oh, Hendrickson, Someone's Hendrickson, laughing Hendrickson, at Trey Hendrickson. Hendrickson said, Trey thank Hendrickson, you. I saved, yeah. I saved you being able to save me with enough context <laughs> clues there, uh, you know, so him and Hubbard just like are little clones of each other, but they're, they're good. Their group is good with reader and, um, the collective, uh, pass rush from Cincinnati. Like the Browns have miles Garrett, who's better than I think anybody other than Nick Bosa is right there with him on any of those four teams. And certainly the bills when they had, that this is a large part of the Bills issue. You look at what if you pay attention to or follow enough Bills people. I'm, I'm I follow a lot of guys because I used to do some stuff with Cover One over there. Like their defensive line without Von Miller, not as bad as the Browns, but they certainly had their issues. They they couldn't generate pass rush in moments that they needed it, and they they were just absolutely crushed in the run game by the by the Bengals in the run game. Man, like that that was Joe Mixon looking like a like like looking all pro in that game and that's embarrassing. So that's something they're trying to fix. I think the Browns clearly have to have to fix it to a much larger scale here and they have the hardest thing to do is find an elite dude at either position and they have one. They have found that. They have Miles. It's not going anywhere for a little while here. But the auxiliary stuff around him, the gap, this this is one that I think I'm I'm relatively let me put it this way Andrew. I'm relatively comfortable in saying they can fix it, but they're currently the furthest away from it like the furthest yeah. away from fixing yeah. it. It's going to take a lot of work, development, all the above to get this defensive line to a respectable level. It's a part of what Jim Schwartz does, a huge part of where he's had success in 10 years. He's stopped at between Detroit and Buffalo and Tennessee the first time and and uh, obviously his run with Philly into the Super Bowl championship and and then his his time spent as a defensive assistant with Tennessee is like their defensive lines are really good. So I'm, again... I'm confident that they can go out and get some some guys who raise the basement of that group and make them better. 
but I have low confidence because it's a lot of just unknown. There are paths to fixing this thing, but I have low confidence that you can just fix it because it's not that they can't. We see teams all the time change a position unit and become better the next year. They certainly can, but the the level of fixing here is staggering to be anywhere near the four teams at the top we're talking about there. And if you include Buffalo as that fifth serious contender, um, you know, I'm sure Buffalo is going to be doing everything they can to fix their group. And when they had Vaughn, they were pretty good. Like they, they, they were pretty good. But I, I just, um, again, I think I, I feel pretty confident in saying I'm low because they, they just deserve low confidence in that category yeah, right now. They sure do. There's also, they sure do. there's also, there's also the most opportunity to fix that. If that, if yeah. that is, I don't hope I'm what I'm saying makes sense. I don't yeah. have great confidence though, because they haven't drafted mid round defensive linemen that have been very good. At least as we sit here right now, now that could be Chris Kiffin is gone coaching linebacker somewhere else. Um, <laughs> that could get fixed certainly. But as I sit here, I'm supposed to just have faith that like Andrew Barry has, you know, they signed, uh, <laughs> there's a funny thing, Andrew, they, there's a, a article out from, from PFF today, pro football focus talking about the most improved player on each team. And there the Las Vegas Raiders are with Andrew Billings as their most improved mm-hmm. player on their team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, they signed Billings, but they couldn't figure out how to get him in shape and do what was needed coming back from the pandemic break to be a contributing member. Okay, yep. that's a flaw. They they mm-hmm. never replaced some guys that they brought in. They took a huge risk on, um, you know, uh, again, I'm just like, it must be too late. I'm drawing blanks on names. Uh, the risk factor last year on that defensive tech. Malik McDowell, um, they they just like I, what conf what why should we have confidence that they can fix yeah. defensive tackle yeah, when they've yeah. never the draft guys they've gotten between like Togiai and Jordan Elliott like what what confidence should we have that they can get this right they have opportunity they'll have money right. they'll have they'll have draft capital in that range that you can draft some guys but like wh- why should we sit here and be like you know what I've got a bunch of high confidence they can figure out how to get this D line together when. We haven't seen it like we haven't seen right. it. So I just uh, it's there. But there is a huge, a huge gap between where the Browns defensive line is and where these other contending teams are, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, setting aside, you know, maybe if you have specific hard feelings about the Deshaun Watson move. Um, I think the mishandling of the defensive line room under Andrew Barry is probably the biggest flaw in his resume. Um, that, you know, you, you listed it all, you know, very accurately. And, and the one thing that you could kind of point to that was like, well, he had that right. Was he chased Jadevian Clowney, uh, for two years very publicly and finally landed him and, and it looked great last year, uh, and then completely blew up in their face this year. So, um, yeah, there's not a lot of confidence that this group knows how to fix it. Um, as you said, they have, they have the opportunity to fix it. Um, and they, they, they have a clear and, and urgent need to fix it. And you have to hope that, that whoever they get to come in and be the defensive line coach and Jim Schwartz can figure it out. You know, Schwartz was on Cleveland Browns daily, uh, last week and, you know, he talked about, you know, just letting those guys eat, play, you know, play with their hair on fire, you know, go after it. So if they can get the right players, I think this is a system that will allow them to be successful, but yeah, big big question marks about whether or not they can find those guys, and and I think, um, you know, and then you you can also have the conversation about relatively fewer assets than they have had in the past few years when they failed to get it done. So, it's a doubt for sure. You can go sign Dayron Payne or Draymond Jones, right? The, those guys are there, but 
you know, free agents making, we're talking about John Johnson here as a guy they want to cut after two years of, I've never, I, one of the few signings I've been more excited about than John yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Like he, he was, a, I loved everything about it, the need and what he did, what he did in LA. And like, then he comes here and he does something completely different to what he was doing in LA. And he's now a guy that people want to cut. And I'm, you know, I, I can see the path to cutting him, but it's like, there's not, there's inherent risk here with going out and giving a guy gigantic sums of money in a second contract. Like, it's not like, Oh, we got pain. It's solved. Oh, we got Jones. It's solved. Right. So there's nerves there. And it's like, boy, the, the OBJ trade and sort of everything around that for a couple of years, really. Yeah. That was Dexter Lawrence was the pick, right? Like, yep. That's a yep. pick, and and then like the, not like, missing out on Jeffrey Simmons, who was sort of hurt, right? If he wasn't hurt, um, you know, he, he didn't tear that ACL. Could they, would they have been interested in taking him earlier? There's just a lot, man. There's just like these D tackles I'm looking at who have come out and been pretty good. You know, Larry Ogunjobi, they let leave, and he just just was stellar. Right. He's been stellar. And you talked about you hope he goes to the Ravens to complete complete the bingo card. I I don't want that man. I prefer to like see if he wants to come back here for a year. So anyway, yeah. man, I I don't know. I I just like look at this group and yeah, play calling's not we're not far away from that tier and quarterback play can be right back to the tier below Mahomes and man, the D line stuff makes you nervous because even though they have the assets, what where do you get the confidence that they're gonna cash those assets in in a way that can get it done? It's just like if you sell if you sell yourself that, then you're selling yourself like a kind of selling yourself an outlier based on what they've done, which is, which is a bit disappointing. So um, low confidence for me on that one, unfortunately, what's your third one? Yeah. It kind of maybe speaks to my, um, uh, I don't know, my, my overall football philosophy or something, but I didn't, <laughs> I don't have anything on the defense on my, my list of five things. Um, so defense uh, doesn't matter. Andrew, I, folks, well, I, I, I mean, I, I, and I, I just got done saying that they need, you know, if they're going to beat the chiefs, they need to be able to shut them down. So, um, I don't know that maybe I'm just a little incoherent here, but, uh, I, I mean, I think your point about the defensive line is, is spot on. If there's an area of the defense that needs, you know, that's sort of like, again, the, the open invitation to be improved, it's that, um, because the secondary has talent. It's really more a question of utilization back there. So, and you know mm-hmm. the linebacker room has been fine, so it's it really does come down to what they can do on the defensive line. Um, I yeah, I think you know, I mean, I really, I think defensively, the hope has just got to be that like between the position coaches that have left, uh, you know, and and then changing the coordinator. I mean, the other thing that was notable about that Schwartz interview, um, and I'm a little off topic from from my list, but just uh, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that, you know. Jim Schwartz said like very specifically um, we need to be letting these guys uh, think less and react more and, um, and communicate it clearly and then let them go play. I I think it's after listening to those comments, I feel very confident in saying that the, the, you know, the, the Browns front office and probably even Stefanski felt like they have the talent and it wasn't being utilized properly with the previous defensive coordinator that, that was, you know, reading between the lines of his interview it sounds like, you know, they felt like the the instructions, the play calling, all of that stuff was unclear to the point that guys didn't know where to be, which is, you know, obviously what we ended up seeing, uh, you know, on, on Sundays. Uh, and so, so I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm we not hope. saying it's going to happen that way. We, we no, exactly. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it, it feels like the straightest line to them having a better defense is just that the guys that are there 100%. already play better. So, 100%. um, my third one, especially uh, especially is, those DBs and linebackers. Before you go, 
Like no, especially sure. yeah. there. That's where the yeah. town is. So much I talent. don't even There's I don't so think anybody's getting Taven Bryan and Jordan Elliott and and like Agreed. maybe Agreed. Alex Wright keeps developing. I don't want to lump him into that group and Perry on they develop. There's some chances to develop there, but I'm just seeing a talent chisholm. Like I'm just seeing yeah. Yeah. There's a problem there for, from looking yeah. at like those groups on other teams to this one. But I do think that you can still unlock bad players into marginal rotation players. You can find that. Um, but to your point, I hope that Schwartz has a big impact on talent that we've seen to take it to yeah. like, like the Newsom's and wards where they're like, these guys mm-hmm. are pretty good. No, now they're really good. That's what we need. Right. And, and from that probably stems a defensive line. That's more respectable. Right. So yes, exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so 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 now having said that I didn't have anything about the defense, <laughs> I am going to say, uh, and this one is specific to the Chiefs, uh, but they have had for the entirety of Andy Reid's time there, uh, reliably at least decent and often good special teams play. Uh, mm-hmm. And Dave Tobb. I, I, yeah, exactly. Dave 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 Tobb is the Tobe. I, I don't know. Taub, I screwed that up. Taub. Taub. It can be whatever Taub. we want it yeah. to be. You know, we we can do what we yeah. want here. Um, People don't come to this pod for name pronunciation. If you do, shame on you. <laughs> if you do, you have bad bad taste in podcasts, is what I would say. Um, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> uh, no, I and I, I this is one where I I this is I'm you know generally try and be data driven and and pay attention to what the numbers say and that sort of thing. I I have this sort of sneaking suspicion or like it's more of like a superstition, I guess, that special teams bad special teams play matters more than the numbers says the numbers say that it does uh and 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 i i basically just i I know that that can't be borne out by the data from what i've seen but it's it's something that just feels to me like uh you know whether it's a fake punt uh that that gives a team an extra set of downs or you know uh you've you've got you're punting from midfield and you know they're 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 picking it up at their own five and then you let them return it for 40 yards or something, you know, those sorts of plays. I just feel from a momentum standpoint, a missed, a missed extra point after you, you score a touchdown that should tie the game and you miss an extra point. So now you're still down one. I, I, I just feel like it time and time again, it pops up. And it's also a little bit of a personal ax to grind because you know, the whole Mike Prefer situation just keeps being a thing. And, you know, I think, Maybe maybe the head coach, maybe the organization as a whole, they want him to be a Dave Tobe kind of guy, and he's just not. And I, you know, I I think he's like the anti Dave Tobe, right? Where he's going to consistently give you underperforming special teams. At least that's what he's I've seen over the four years that he's been here. So, you know, I, I really don't want to make it as specific as as me being anti Mike Prefer. It's really more like, you know, I mean, the Ravens have been. You know, I mean, obviously, everybody knows John Harbaugh is a special teams coordinator before he became the head coach. But it, that I just feel like that stuff matters. And you know, you 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 go through these seasons where they're starting Tyler Huntley for half the season, and it's like they're in the playoffs, man. And I, you know, it's like it's it's Justin Tucker, but it's more than that. Um, and and I just think if you want to be a team that we were, we just you know talking about play calling, we said they're not going to be at the Reed level. Talking about quarterbacks, he's not going to be at the Mahomes level. Well, where are the other areas where you can kind of make up ground? And special yeah. teams is one of those. And instead, they're giving it away every year. Well, certainly special teams played a role in the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that punt return exactly. was massive. It was absolutely yeah. massive. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm sort of um, <laughs> probably to, to the point of why I'm the special teams wasn't on my list. And that's why I'm glad I had you on because 
just getting different perspectives on this stuff matters. Like, I didn't even, I mean, I just don't really think about special teams all too often in terms of like yeah. the, the value or, or lack of value or whatever, uh, largely because I think most special teams units are the same in the NFL. That's just me. You could be right. You could be right that there's something we're not quantifying here. And it's certainly not an element that helps the, like, I couldn't tell you what Prief's like, what's he giving them that somebody else couldn't give them? I don't have that answer right. for you. Largely, you I don't have that answer for a lot of either position coaches or special mm. teams guys is like, I don't really know how to quantify that other than, oh, hey, they they were pretty good here. That's what the metric says. And like, you know, there's some metrics that work in Priest's favor, like the return guys. They had some two of the highest graded return players this year and in, in, uh, in Jerome Ford and, and ended up Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. But like they, there's no doubt there's there's certainly meat left on the bone with special teams and they don't always seem the most well coached and they make little mistakes. And um, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. And um it seems like to me that should be something they can fix, but they don't deserve confidence that they can fix it because it seems like they're tied to prefer. Yeah. I'm hoping exactly. that it just doesn't end up mattering much, but right. uh, it hope. certainly yeah. could. It certainly could. It's, it's, uh, you know, the jets game special teams lost them that game. They didn't recover exactly. an onside kick and they missed a PAT late. Right. Like some of that and comes into punt. it as well. Yeah, that, that fake punt was gnarly. Damn them for doing mm-hmm. that. Started a trend across <laughs> the NFL with that, that it was pretty successful until the end of the year yeah. when the Vikings tried it and they got mocked for it. And I was like, hey, you know that teams have been doing that all year, and it's actually been really an effective thing mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. year for a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think you got something there, and it's not something that I thought of, but I do think it's it's always lingering. There's, again, like, what what confidence should we have that short that that uh that prefers like a huge net positive there right like there right. is no what's your what's your evidence what there's no evidence yeah. for that no, so I, I'm with you I I think I you know I think the it's pretty you know it's an analytics driven organization Paul D Podesta I I think it's pretty clear that the numbers don't support special teams mattering that much right um, mm-hmm. you you just want them not to be awful. So they go out and they sign Corey Bohorquez because he's not dropping punts and they, you know, they, they (laughs) sign in grant so they can return the, you know, things occasionally and they draft a kicker in the fourth round. So they did invest. Right. But um, you know, it, 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 between the the injury to grant and, and York struggles um, you know, it all kind of, it all kind of faded away. And and you mentioned the jets game that, that Ravens loss uh, was 23, 20 and uh, they gave away, uh, probably a hundred yards in field position in that game, punting to Devin Duvernay. Yeah, and terrible punt. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you, you know, where I'm at with it is you, you turn those two games. I mean, look, I know we can play this game all, all day with the Browns in this season, but you turn those two losses into wins. If the special teams are better they're then they're nine and seven going into Pittsburgh uh, in, in week 18 with something to play yeah, for. Different season. Play for. So yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, it, to me, it's about, you, 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 the chances are, I mean, we've kind of danced around this, right? The chances are that, that Patrick Mahomes were, were currently in a, in, you know, witnessing probably the greatest quarterback performances year in, year out of any player in the history of the league. Right. So you need to find other areas to make up ground. Special teams is, is one of those that's, that's ripe for the picking on this team. And I mean, you, you said already low confidence. I'm right there with you. It's low confidence that they're going to be able to really make that matter because I don't think that they think that it matters. Agreed. I, I they, largely low confidence and prefer low confidence. Yeah. They'll replace him. Uh, it's right. all, it's all bad. It's all, it's all, it's yeah. all bad. So you hope what you hope again is that, that uh, 
it just, like I said, I don't, I don't mean to be like uh, dismissive of your point here, but you just kind of hope maybe it doesn't matter. That's the only thing no, that you I, I can hope for in this is that I think that's but you're right. Philosophy. Like these games are won on the margins. They're won, and if you want to talk about and say, hey, well, if they would have won this coin flip game, well, then every little piece of that coin flip game matters, and you can't just gloss mm-hmm. over it. Then, right? Right. If they're going right. to say, well, we just had bad luck this year, well, okay, kind of, but also you could be better in certain areas. And how about yeah. you try to get better in an area that you can control? So I'm with you. I think that that's something that, again, if you're going to be trailing without a real answer you're never going to get them homes it's just not going to work out for you sorry exactly but you could get a great special teams unit you could get a great defense and 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 really hope for the best and have everything in place to take advantage of those little things that you could take advantage of so yeah spot on we're going to take a break uh we're only break of this episode and we're going to do our final two each we'll be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're, we're lingering a little long, so we're going to try to speed through these last two, Andrew. My, my fourth yeah, no, one is pass catching, t- pass catching talent. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> now this comes comes this comes in different ways, right? Like the yeah. Chiefs clearly didn't have some elite wide receiver unit, but they had a bunch of respectable guys, some very specific types, right? Between uh, Juju being a guy who can who's a who's a sturdy hands player, uh, can do the dirty work, that part of it. But uh, you know, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore are, are very much the shifty types, but they have an all world greatest tight end ever play, so that makes up yeah. for it. You can get slim and cut to some fat at wide receiver. Um, if you're going to have that type of tight end, because that's still your best pass catcher. That's your most consistent guy. Obviously the Eagles have been all in first round pick yeah. and Devonte Smith. And they obviously traded another first round pick to go get AJ Brown. They're all in and they've gotten, they've invested in tight end. They've gotten, you know, Dallas, they've gotten Goddard going like they, they've, they've mm-hmm. clearly invested the 49ers. You can Debo. They figured it mm-hmm. out. You got Kittle. They figured it out, right? The Bengals. Yeah. We don't need to, to go yep. through the Bengals. We know the Bengals. Mm-hmm. The, the gap between that is a problem. Um, now, I don't think the Browns are I'm not saying they're bad. I'm I'm not saying that. Between Njoku, Amari Cooper, uh DPJ and whatever the third wide receiver ends up being, like there's talent enough there to win plenty of games and I actually do think they could be in the realm of right time right place in the playoffs and beat some teams, but there's still a gap. Like there's still a gap and that's why it's not the highest one on the list for me, but I w- I need to see it. I'd love to see it get better in some way shape or form. Now, the way they get better is is um a little bit all over the board. I actually think they've been decent at this for the most part between going out and getting crafty ways to get a veteran like Cooper 
And, you know, DPJ, you deserve some credit whenever you can get a six round pick who turns into a respectable player. And uh, they were they could have traded Njoku away like Andrew. They could have given him away. They could have not been patient with him. They could have not continued to develop him, but they did. And I think he's in a good spot. He was a top seven tight end this year to continue to be one of the top premier tight ends in the game. So I, I don't have as little confidence as I did about the defensive line uh, in terms of using the resources. But it's still not going to be easy, and they still need to make up ground here somehow, some way. And if they pick a player at 42, they need to hit. It's got to hit. And there's a real there's a real challenge hitting on a receiver at pick 42. So I would say like low, medium, um, largely because it's just going to be hard. And if you're going to trade for someone like Cooks or Hopkins, that's also going to be hard. And you're going to give up uh, a way of getting better at other positions if you do that. Uh, and if you trade for a Jerry Judy or a Elijah Moore, like you're going to, you got to give up a real asset to go get those guys. Right. So it's just going to be a challenge. This is less, can they do it? And more, Hey, this is going to be tough um, because you just don't find these guys growing on trees, but like the Bengals, Hey man, T Higgins was a second round pick. They hit, you need your second round pick wide receiver. If you're going to go get one this year to hit, or if you're going to make a trade that's meaningful, a Kadarius Tony type trade, not that Tony was some groundbreaking player for them, or like AJ Brown to an extent, because AJ's a first round guy giving up a first round talent to go get him. Like you just, if you're going to make that trade, that player's got to be DPJ again. Uh, sorry, Amari Cooper again, and and may, even better if you're going to give up something really serious to go get that type of player. So it's going to be really hard. They're not that far off, but it's just it's something that is not as easy as we like write it on paper to be you, you kind of does that make sense like it's not as easy to fix as playing a video game i guess is kind of what i'm getting at it's still hard to find <laughs> yeah. really good pass right. catchers right yeah no i i think that's a great point and it's I, I you know it's it's also my fourth uh bullet point here is 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 i specifically made it about the eagles because you know the aj brown trade when they already had devonte smith it's like well, uh do you is that overkill or you know what you guys are really really all in and and um you know now they have two receiving options you know both of whom i i would prefer to anybody on the browns roster so mm -hmm. um it, it's really one of those situations where you kind of can't have enough in this day and age um and i mean to your point about the chiefs it's not necessarily that any of those guys are game breaking but it's that they have different ways of getting there and i think mm -hmm. um you know, one of one of one of the things that, that this brings back up is is how much it hurts that Anthony Schwartz uh, is a is a total non-factor, and it looks, you know, I mean, it looks like David Bell might be kind of in the same category of, you know, not not being the kind of guy that can can really make a difference, and and obviously, you know, Mahomes makes everybody better, but you know, the the Chiefs having four different guys uh, before you even get to Kelsey that can that can attack a defense in a specific way is a, you know, is a real strength and that versatility, you know, for the, for the Browns, it's, it's Cooper, Najoku, DPJ, and then a cliff. And, and so yeah. whether they get there by adding more depth that actually can play, right. Not just names, but guys that can play, or if they try and add another top option, either way, you know, they, that's what they need is, is, is just more, they just need more. I mean, there's, there's really no other way to say it. And the, the Eagles were in this position last year, right? They had Devontae Smith, first-round pick, had a great rookie season, and they're like, that's not enough. We're going to trade a first-round pick for another guy who's even better than the guy we drafted in the first round. That sort of, like, greedy mentality of give me another one, give me two more, that's what the Browns really need to embrace this offseason. Yeah, perception's interesting, and I'm not saying this because this is what you're saying, but, like, 
David Bell had the same rookie year from a regular season standpoint as as uh, Sky Moore. It's kind of it's just kind of fascinating. Like oh, absolutely. Um, Team, team perception and stuff like uh i don't know i mean i think david bell and i'm not again i'm not saying you did you're not saying this but he he deserves more opportunity I, I did actually see an interesting stat today about his separation numbers were some of the best in the rookie class and i'm like okay that's interesting because they didn't find <laughs> yeah. him a ton I, I he just right. was really i i've said this many times i said it on spaces today when i visited chops and those guys over there like I've I've never seen a more boring rookie. Like in terms of mm-hmm. if you're supposed to make a play, he kind of made it. If he it, like, there was no oh crippling drop from David Bell or what a play from. It's just like okay, he caught that ball for eight yards. Great. All right. Oh, he caught that ball. For, he only got two yards. That's uh, whatever. You know, like I don't know. Just very much like a yeah. He was out there and he caught 24 passes for 214 yards, but I don't remember any of them. Tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah. I don't know. I I think it's it's for, certainly far further in the he's not going to end up mattering much than it is. He's going to turn into this thousand yard receiver. So I get that angle, but like, uh, it just, it just, they have to find ways. I, they've got to find a way to be, they, they deserve credit for what they got Amari Cooper for last year. Right? Like that's great. Definitely. They deserve credit. They got a great year out of him. Can they do that again somehow, whether that's a rookie that turns in a 800 yard rookie season and a second round pick, like, like George Pickens or, um, you know, turns in a, an amazing second half of the year contribution, like uh, 600 yards and seven touchdowns that Christian Watson was able to pull off uh, or that's going out and getting a veteran. Can they if they go get Hopkins and he only goes for 800 yards or something, that's a, that's that's not it, man. Like you, you got to figure out a way to whatever whatever asset trigger you pull here. It's got to matter and it's got to make a difference for this team um, right away, man, like really right away this year. They need better wide receiver play and you know if they were to somehow go with this i don't even want to entertain the second tight end seriously featuring a second tight end like no, no i just no. cannot fathom that they would think that's the right route to go so uh anyway right. we'll move off that my last one's o-line cohesion so mm. i think that like this isn't like i think they have talent right they have talent in the o-line that there's no doubt about it but can they be cohesive for an entire season and that really does look at like jedrick wills jack conklin like there's talent here. It's certainly a top five to seven unit in the NFL, but man, the way the Eagles O-line was playing by the end of the year, what the chiefs were doing by the end of the year, they have to get into that group. Now the 49ers were pretty damn good too. Buffalo and Cincinnati are still looking for answers. there. still looking, hunting, searching. Not every team's got a perfect roster. So you know what? Some things that Cincinnati's hunting for are not things we're hunting for and vice versa. But the Browns have dumped a lot of assets, top 10 picks, contracts, assets into this spot. They cannot have lulls. They can't. They can't. They cannot, as a group, have lulls like we saw last year because one member of that group is out. It has to be an elite unit all the time because they're paid to be an elite unit all the time. They have to be that way all the time. There's no excuse. That's a lot of pressure on them, but that's the pressure that they've put on them. So can they do that? I have, this is the one where I do have high confidence that they should be able to do. I think they can. I really do think they can. If the schematic stuff and the quarterback play from Watson, as they get more accustomed to how Watson plays will help them. But, but like, that's an element to me as you watch, like, damn, look at that Eagles O-line. Damn, look at the 49ers O-line. Look at how well the Chiefs uh, took a, a record-breaking Eagles front sack pressure front and held them to nothing in the Super Bowl, right? Like 
That's what the Browns have to do. That's the expectation based on the, the assets committed to that group. So one of the ones that I do have high confidence that they can figure out, but they got to do it. So that's a big part of it. And that's kind of one of the last ones that caught my eye in differences, um, especially the way it went weirdly for the Browns offensive line the last half of this past year. Yeah. I mean, I think you said that all about as well as it can be said. It, it, it has to be elite for it, for that it to be worth it. You know, I mean, they're paying two, two guards, top five guard money in the NFL, you know, and, and it just, you know, that's so much to have invested in the guard position where you can often plug somebody in off the street and get good play out of them, especially when Bill Callahan's your line coach. So it needs to be better. But that's the thing. The, second half the, of the, season. the guards can be really good, but then the cohesion stuff is like, if Jedrick Wills oh, totally. has a bad game, then you totally. get forced. It's always something. It's like, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so they yeah. just need the group to be good, mm-hmm. right? Because like Andrew Wiley was the left tackle, exactly. right tackle uh, for the Chiefs, and it's like right. that. But yeah. they played really well. He's he played yeah. really well. So yeah. they got to find a way there. They've got to find well, a way. One thing the Browns could consider is playing all of their games on whatever grass it was that they were using in Arizona. That they helps. Could just put an ice. They help. could put an ice rink in right at, at uh, First Energy and put everybody on skates. I, yeah. Um, no, I they could have I somebody mean, drive it, their truck on the field again. That would be great. Right? <laughs> Apparently, it's a classy look. Do. It's a it's a classy look. Um, oh, yeah, we just no, had a guy I, drive a truck onto our field, and they, they were just yeah, very nonchalant right. about that. Like, yeah, no, that was, yeah, he was just he was bored, and there was a truck. So you do the math. Um, no, I, I yeah, I think uh, you're, yeah. I think you're spot on with that one, uh, Jake. And I, I think you know I I agree with you. My confidence is high just because of the assets that they've got invested and the, you know, the talent that they have at the coaching and, and everything else. Um, uh, but, but we have to see it and it has to be, as you said, consistent and across the line for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last one for you. Um, my, my last one is a, is a, is a big picture one and kind of a bummer. So I guess if like, if you're feeling pretty good about where Jake just landed us, maybe just turn call it off. an episode here. Yeah. You might just yep. want to be done. Um, but I was thinking Andrew's about never been really... one for extreme optimism, folks. <laughs> right now. This this isn't about optimism or pessimism. This is just facts, man. Um, the the one of the things that that really uh, differentiates the, both the Eagles and the Chiefs. Um, this doesn't apply to the Bengals, I should say. And um, you know, uh, it, it, you you can you can it, it's up and down for a lot of teams, but it's ownership. One of the things that is at the top of people's list of concerns, if the Browns have another bad year, is that Jimmy Haslam is going to lead another coaching search. Uh, Mm. And we know what that roll of the dice looks like. So Jeffrey Lurie, uh, you know, is the owner of the Eagles. He's he's really the guy that I thought of because, you know, he hired Andy Reid and he got that right. Uh, You know, and then he hired Doug Peterson and there was a power struggle. And he chose Howie Roseman over Doug Peterson. It seems like he got that right, even though Doug is having some success in Jacksonville. Uh, and then, you know, then they went out and settled on Nick Sirianni. And now both they lost the Super Bowl and both of their coordinators got head coaching jobs. So it seems like from a professional development standpoint, I mean, obviously Andrew Barry was there and then got hired away to come to Cleveland. They are churning out executives and coaches that other mm-hmm. pl- other teams in the league want. And that is you know, that's the sign of a healthy organization. Um, and, and I think, you know, as much as you can, you can, you know, you you can say that what has happened in Kansas city is about Andy Reed. And it is, uh, you know, Clark hunt has also been good at getting out of the way 
of of his you know the people leading the organization and so um you know i i just think when you're talking about you know sustained success and why the browns haven't had it that you know that uh roulette ball only really lands on one one person's face and it's jimmy haslam maybe he's taking that to milwaukee now he's just going to cast all that dark energy into the bucks organization and I mean, uh, yeah, no, man, you're always right. That's news. the cloud. That's the cloud that's always looming here. Is yeah, is uh, is. Jimmy and I'm sorry. And I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry to end it on that. Yeah. But no, it's but it but, is a fact of nature and where they're at. Like you can't you yeah. can't ignore it. Um, yeah. No matter who you want to blame, hey, it's D. It's not Jimmy. Well, okay, then fine. Whatever, whatever way you right. want to frame it. Whatever Haslam you want. Yeah. Put or this or on, the yeah the son-in-law there. that brought in uh, uh, Jake Paul. You know, when, when they're in the middle of run of decisions. Oh my God, man. They're, you're in the middle of having a disappointing season and you're just doing PR stunts I, that, but that sort of judgment, it's just, it, you said, I mean, cloud is the right word. It's just always kind of there in the background. And when, when yeah, things yeah. are going, okay, you can ignore it. But like, even if they get to the Super Bowl and they win the whole damn thing, which, you know, I mean, I, I would, you know, I hope for that with <laughs> every breath I take, uh, they're handing that trophy to Jimmy Haslam. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There is that cloud, and then obviously the scrutiny, which would come with a player acquisition of theirs, um, would always yeah. be a fun thing to listen to the national media talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, there's that too. Like, like, no, dude, that's right. I mean, it's right. It's fair. You know, it's, what's interesting to me, and you you did a good job there of talking about. It seems like executives of the Browns have been in hot demand still somehow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and done okay. The thing I'm worried about, as you as you were saying that, that popped into my mind is like. Hey, Kevin has had the same coaching staff for three years. Is that a good thing? Like, is that right. a good thing? It, in some right. sense, yes. But like, when you watch these other teams that are finding success, like, coaches are just getting plucked, man. Like, hey, we love what the Eagles did. We'll take, we'll take Steichen. We'll take, even though Gannon had his issues, like, we'll take Gannon, right? Like, you know, it just seems like those guys are getting plucked left and right. And it's like Stefanski's three years into this thing, and he doesn't have any coaching tree, like. I mean, I guess if Petzing gets this OC job, he's got somebody that went from a position on his staff to an upgrade somewhere else. And like down the line, you could try to look at that. But yeah, that's a thing, man. I think that the Brown, it seems like the Browns front office is between the analytics ratings that they do with ESPN and some of the forward thinking stuff. there, like somewhat respected, even though we had this argument in our Slack channels this year about Glenn Cook was getting an interview. And I'm like, I'd kind of be surprised if anybody wants to take on a Browns front mm-hmm. office member right now based on how things have gone but he got interviews right like yeah there's sure at did. least some sort of some sort of interest it's like i haven't heard of any browns coach getting serious interest and and again it speaks to where they are and maybe they go out next year and they're 14 and 3 or 13 and 4 and they have a good year they do get some interest so it's not sitting and rooted in um yeah. long-term stuff here but like that's a, that's an element of like if you want to know if you're healthy in terms of what the league thinks of you, mm-hmm. look at uh, look at where your coaches are at, where they're going, what they're doing, what the what the league is trying to do to hire them, right? So, yeah, it's a good point, man. It's a good point, and yeah, Jimmy is at the root of all of it. That even if they do move on from Kevin someday, and you think, well, they're just a coach away, man. They got all the- right. Know. Okay, well, they they got to have Jimmy kitchens. hire that person. Yeah, yeah. you got to have him hire that person, and that's as we've seen over and over again is pretty scary. So. Yep. Um, pretty somber, man. Great, great ending, Andrew. Great choice uh, from us to to wrap this thing up on. Listen, I had a ton of fun, yeah. though, man. We're not even going to vote on the confidence because there is no confidence with Jimmy. There's just not. Until yeah. He, until yeah. he like, I mean, I guess I'll give Jimmy some credit that he seems to have stayed the fuck out of their way. 
for a while mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, he deserves yeah. some praise for that, but he's still at the root of it. Jimmy Haslam, and he could revert back to like, I'm tired of this at any moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is always, that's always scary. So, but again, I guess you could say low medium confidence because he now has like given these guys three years and he stayed out of the way. And he seems to have yeah. like, he did just hire Freddie in 2019. He did just, right. just, uh, you know, uh, make some of those decisions that weren't even five, six years ago yet. So we should probably get a little further removed before heaping a bunch of praise on, on Jimmy Haslam, but at least well, right now in terms of making yeah. some of those surrounding employment right. decisions, he's doing some things. Okay. Definitely. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think, I, I think that there's a path, um, for, for him learning on the job, you know, and, yeah. and, and success kind of teaching him what, it takes to be successful, right? Like, um, sure. you know, if, if, if the Browns turn things all around and have a really strong 2023, that should help him understand like the benefit of being patient, you know, with an organization. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think there's absolutely a path where this, this does all turn out. Okay. My, my fear and, and what made me think of it is, is exactly what you just said of thinking they're a coach away of things if they don't live up to expectations this year, I, I just, the, what that looks like, what, what the transition to the next group looks like after this year is, is that's the scary part. But I, 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 I'm not, I don't mean, I I really don't mean to say that it's hopeless. It's just, it's, it's just not, you know, it's, it's, it does, you know, because they, these things change on a geological timescale, right? He's the owner Mm -hmm. for the rest of his life. And then he passes it on to somebody in his family. The owner doesn't change really. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it, there's no acquiring a new owner unless he does exactly. something really, right. really we, stupid. We, yeah, We've seen this guy trade. do something really stupid and still keep this, this thing. So exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. No. So, so, but no, I, I, I think there's a path, there's a path to him learning on the job and, and it is better now than it was a decade ago. So, you know, let's just keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. If the baseline is ESPN article that we remember from when he was meddling and pulling coaches aside, right. Where he was like, right. Getting mm-hmm. like like in the hallways and putting up uh, social media s- hits on like terrible social. There was I cannot remember who wrote that article, but it was around the Hugh Jackson era when there was that yeah. division between the football guys and the analytics guys, and like it was just hilarious at the time. And like I guess if our baseline is is he doing that shit anymore? No, right. okay, then he's right. going in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, we've it's, moved it's really we moved off standard. an F. We're like D plus, <laughs> C minus. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, my my favorite exactly. detail. I, I've said this a, a bunch, but my favorite detail from that article is that he would sit in meetings in the conference room and eat hard boiled eggs and peel the shells and just leave yeah. the shells on the table or the floor, which Normal is just behavior. I, I mean, behavior. just giving a finger to like everybody that you are around all the time, like. <laughs> it's not even shells like it's a wrapper. It's like eggshells, the hardest thing in the world to pick up. Yeah, man. How about oh, you have somebody I... pre-peel those for you? How's that sound? <laughs> like, you're rich, dude. Have someone pre-peel yeah. those sons. Yeah, just, buy an egg peeler. Leave your trash. Golly. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. We're done. We're talked about it. We've given you some ideas of what we think. Feel free to let us know uh, if we're wrong. You know our social media handles by now, so find us and yell at us if you would like. Otherwise, well, I think yeah, this is a fun yell. exercise. Yeah, we love that. Uh, fun exercise all around to um, to just sort of take a health check on where the Browns are. So for Andrew, for me, we appreciate you, Andrew. I appreciate you, man, for being here and spending an oh, hour a ton of fun, doing Jake. this. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, man. Um, we'll, we'll continue to do these. Hopefully, you guys like franchise mode. We're always open to 
uh, I always very much welcome DMs with concept ideas and, hey, would you hit on this topic, blah, blah, blah. I'm more than willing to to take um, to take user thought process stuff and apply it to the show. So feel free to ever DM me or, or uh, any of us at the OBR. If you're a subscriber, hit up our inboxes and let us know. So otherwise, listen, have a great Friday, everybody. Appreciate you. We'll be back with a quick mock on Saturday like I always do. Otherwise, have a great Friday. Go spend some time with your family. Enjoy the decent weather. Um, and, and listen, stop, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you. Stop by the OBR, too, if you can, on the way out the door. Go Browns.